Hello everyone and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. Today we're going to have another dive into the Tao Te Ching. I think we're on chapter 73, is that right? Yep. And uh, see what Lao Tzu was thinking about when he wrote this particular one. Just a little weather report. You're sitting inside because it is uh, a delightfully wet day here in Wales. <laughs> and um feeling ever so pleased because uh, hearing a lot about the uh, those those massive wildfires in uh, Canada. Uh, so I'm kind of thankful for every drop of rain we have here at the moment. Yeah. Never going to complain about <laughs> the, ra- the endless rainy days here again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does catch fire up there sometimes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We have had hill fires here, and it's been not 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 in our region, but quite but a few miles away they were, and it was quite devastating. So yeah. very very definitely don't want that. So if the rain gods are listening, uh, gentle rain please on at, a regular basis. At night. <laughs> at night, that would be good, yeah. So, sunshine in the day. <laughs> yeah. Rain at night. So let's, let's have a little read through this chapter and see what we think. Chapter 73. The person who's brash and fearless will die. A person who is cautious will survive. These two are right, and they are wrong. Heaven looks down on both, and who knows the truth? So even the sage admits some things are beyond him. (laughs) The Tao of Heaven doesn't struggle, but it wins through. It doesn't ask, yet it always hears the answer. It doesn't demand... Yet things come, because they want to. It has no desires. And yet everything works out as if planned. And though the net of heaven is wide, not even the tiniest whisper escapes it. Quite funny, because when I was reading through this one earlier on, uh, you may have heard our podcast about The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) first line the person who's brash and fearless will die Um, because there's a lot of that in The Walking Dead like total lunatics who just think it's heroic and they shout things like we must run into the fire we must run into hell to achieve our aims or whatever it is and they don't last very long (laughs) they're usually dead by the end of the series Um, so it just immediately made me think of that but I'm pretty sure Lao Tzu didn't have that in mind when he wrote this so I'm going to just give this, just yeah. give, I, I give this pass to Dr. Yates there so he can uh, tell us all uh, his interpretation well, of I, I, I Lao Tzu's gentle lines. I don't think when this was uh, conceived that the, uh, the Walking Dead franchise had sort of quite got their act together <laughs> by then. So once again we face with a, a mass of well, apparent uh, incoherence and contradiction which is par for the course for the Tao the, the Te Ching. But this morning I was reading the commentary of the, the, the guy who translated the most recently discovered manuscripts, the oldest manuscripts to be found uh, of this text. Uh, this, this guy, uh, Victor H. Mayer, who's a pr- professor somewhere of Sinology and so forth. And there's a very considered... Count of 
the way in which he's, he's translated the, the De De Jingen. He, he notes that if you expect it to be coherent, tough titty, because it's, it's, yeah. it, it's not going to be, partly because of the style of thought, but also because of, of the, the long manner of this text reaching its it's kind of modern form, you know. It probably started out as a an oral text and then got commented on and then written down and then somebody thought they'd improve it and then somebody misunderstood a a character uh, or, or a word that had fallen out of use and had taken up some new meanings as, as words do. Over a period of two and a half thousand years probably. But by then, even if there was any coherence at the beginning, there won't be any at the end. Well, it, it strikes me that there probably wasn't any in the beginning, even. Yeah. Well, Lao Tzu doesn't want us to um, uh, grasp tightly onto, onto the truth. That like, is, this is yeah. the truth and I'm now yeah. going to kill anyone else who doesn't think it's the truth and yeah. all that, where it goes, you know. That, that's right, yeah. I th- and I think there is a definite... A definite thrust of that character there. I think that's a good insight. It seems to me it is exactly as you say that Lao Tzu doesn't want us to settle on any any dogma, and to hold it very very tightly. To the extent that we'll we'll kill anybody who contradicts us. He, he kind of thinks that that's a major disaster, and he's probably quite right. You know that for many things we need we need to hold our views pr- provisionally, if we're going to actually do justice to, to to what we find in the world and what we experience. You know, and, and particularly with, with a view to our inquiries through, through meditation practices, which of course he's very interested in. In that area, we are almost bound to find paradoxes and or matters which just seem undecidable you know so and I think he's right about that I think you can be too dogmatic and you can look certainly at the history of I don't know the last 500 years or the last thousand years in Europe as in many instances it's been, been a history of violence between people over dogma. Now, you know, we can be all Marxist about it and say, well, there are material causes underneath and or material factors contiguous with, with what's going on in things like, you know, the, the Hundred Years' War, you know, all these religious wars that we had in Europe. But nevertheless, a big part of it is that, that there are people ready to lay their life down in the struggle against popery, even though they're not quite sure whether Popery is a man or a horse. This is the famous <laughs> fr- uh, saying yeah. about the English Civil War, you yeah. know, that it was just mi- it was mindless brutality, but but um, perpetrated with the utmost conviction as to the truth and the rightness of one side. This seems to blow all that out the water, and I think rightly so. I think he, he's very compassionate in pointing that out to us. And certainly against the great mystery of existence when you encounter that. You know, when you're face to face with the great the great Tao, you might say, that, well, you know that you don't know. 
<laughs> you like Socrates, you only know one thing, which is, I know fuck all about anything either. You know. This is there. And he's even saying that even the sage will hit that point. So, somebody who's brash and fearless will die. Probably true. Again, just to refer to Aristotle again for some weird reason. Seems to be haunting this little passage. Uh, I mean, Arist Aristotle pointed out that courage was neither recklessness nor cowardice. You know, it is a kind of a middle through. If you're just reckless, you will appear brave. But you'll die because you're reckless. You know, you won't last very long. Maybe you, you, your name will be inscribed on the memorials and there'll be a kind of immortality. You won't be there to enjoy it because you'll, you'll be killed, you're reckless. No, you're not a coward, but it's, but it's not strictly courage, because courage is kind of circumspect, you know, as well as being fearless. Or maybe the fear is there, but you overcome it and embrace it and utilise it. But at the same time, you don't throw your life away, because what, what's the point? If you have courage, you're a valuable person in a struggle. And, and you surviving is probably not a bad thing, at least for some time. So he's, got, he's kind of catching something of that, you know, and he's saying, well, I don't know, which is the way. Well, Aristotle says, well, go down the middle, you know, and have some courage, but don't be reckless, but don't be, don't be a coward, don't be fearful. Now, too, is a bit more cautious about jumping to any kind of conclusion around all this. You know, he says, well, even the sage admits some things are beyond him. This is brilliant. The great Lao Tzu, it just says, well, like Socrates, I'm fucked if I know. <laughs> but then, of course, in, in paradoxical fashion, he then adopts a tone of absolute certainty when talking about the great ultimate, the Tao. You know, that, that which gives birth to everything, to which everything returns, which is contained by everything, and yet which envelops everything, and yet which is mysterious and embraces within itself all the opposites of everything, which is why any speech about it is paradoxical. Any speech about something as, as holistic uh, and, and as metaphysically totalising as the Tao is, is just as a matter of course, intrinsic in the territory, bound to utter paradoxes the minute you speak about it. And which is what Lao Tzu then, then does. He just treats us to a list of them. And I say to you, this is, inevi this is inevitable. The minute, the minute you start engaging in what I call oneness talk, you have to contradict yourself. I doubt there's a way out of it. And it doesn't matter. You know, we, we, we perhaps pay a little bit too much heed to not contradicting. Even though at the same time, in our current culture, one of my criticisms of our current culture is it's too ready to contradict as well. And, 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 and it seems to me there's a distinction of places where you need non-contradiction very, very powerfully. And these, these are the places where you also need, you need evidence of the senses, empirical evidence, repeatable through either experimentation or, or you know, correct statistical methods or whatever. There's whole areas of life where, where that is needed, where in our current culture it's repudiated. 
and there's all areas of life where we need to understand that we have we have to that we have to embrace contradiction and paradox and opposites that seem to clash against each other, but which really really don't exactly and not exactly oppositional. And 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 that, that is an understanding that, uh, that we you you need to bring into your your spiritual life or your contemplative life, you might call it. I think all of that is in, is in here. Even though, as I say, it, it, it seems to be like a very sort of almost disjointed, you know, and co contradictory collection of sentences. And as, as I say, as Maya tells us, expect that. That's the nature of this beast. So, but pulling it together, there's something quite useful going, going on here, you know. It's a reminder. It's a reminder against dogmatism. It's a little bit of a reminder of, of perhaps, you, you know, that in life you do need courage and in life there is much to fear and how to deal with that. But also telling, telling us not to get too formulaic about that and to realise that there's a kind of an embracing of the not knowing that's much well, beneficial to, to the individual in their contemplative life as well. So... Well, let's just have a look at these paradoxes. The Tao of Heaven doesn't struggle, but it wins through. This is the whole kind of non-doing. Again, something written large in the, at least the philosophy of the t the Devish modes of combat, the Devish martial arts, you know, which are about the non-doing, stepping, slipping to the side, using the strength of the opponent to overcome the opponent by turning their own strength back on them or, or, or just slightly deflecting their momentum as they attack so that it defeats them, so they trip over themselves. You know. They're very smart stuff and it, 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 it's got a very great practical use there. You know. The Tao of Heaven doesn't ask yet it is the answer. Again, this is your, in, your, in your meditate. People sometimes meditate for practical ends. Even though I think ultimately you, you meditate for no reason, for no gain, for no no project, nothing. It's just there. It's not even for its own sake. It's even more present than that, since it's it's something that's deeply connected with the the flow of life itself, the very very flow of life itself. So here, but nevertheless, people do. I mean, I, I kind of use this method for problem solving all the time. You, plant the problem in the back of your brain you know and you leave it there for a bit to, to brew you know and to fester and to to ferment and then one day you, you, you go and sit somewhat later you go and sit quietly and out, out pops the, the the way to move forward with your conundrum you know and it's like you don't ask it in fact you've kind of primed it but at the time at the time when the answer comes, you're not asking. The toad doesn't ask, but nevertheless, it provides the answers. You don't, you know. So you're utilising that that spontaneous action of the Tao, that kind of wisdom of things. You know, and, and I that, get that all the time. It's 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 a bit of a pain actually because I'm just <laughs> getting into the lovely meditation and I'm getting into the quiet, and then there's this is this is torrent of like answers and inspiration and yeah. and and all these these ideas and it's yeah. like 
oh god i just need yeah. to need to turn the turn it off because it's it's yeah. like it just it just pours in when yeah. you get into that space that's yeah. right yeah and, and uh, i mean that might take the form of problem solving or, uh, yeah. or, or creative strategies with if you you know if you're making a particular artwork and it, it sort of grinds to a halt you go away you leave it if it's a painting turn it to the wall leave it a bit you know yeah, I mean, sometimes this, you have this, to like leap up out of your meditation and think, "Oh my God, I'm going to have to write that yeah, down. Otherwise, right. I'm going to forget yeah. it by the end." Yeah, but, but, but there's something very, very sort of basic and very down to earth being hinted at here, you know. And that, that is that is the way in which we, I mean, as human beings, we have the, we have a kind of an intrinsic intelligence that's sort of beyond or. I, I hate words like beyond, you know, but somehow, but somehow. somehow different from your training, your education, your, your, your language learning, your common sense of, of, of the society that you and culture that you happen to live in. Something a bit more primordial than that. That's just simply a part of the processing of the organism that you can rely on. If once, you le once you've learned it, A, you need to learn it's there, B, you need to, to learn a little bit of, of, of using it and finding how powerful it is. And then out of that, you gain some kind of trust, you know, and, and a deserved trust in, it, in its utility. It's not always right. Sometimes it can mislead you, but basically this is a very, very useful thing to know. And later put you down to the great the great Tao of heaven, you know, the Tao of heaven does this. And of course it does, because... All of your processes are simply processes of nature or the universe. You know, what your liver's doing at this very moment belongs to the universe. Because its processes, ultimately, are part of the great processes of, of everything. It's just one big process. You know, so he's hinting at something that it comes across very, very high flown and, and rarefied and implausible but it's actually very very practical and very down to earth and that you can learn quite quickly and easily then he goes on he doesn't demand yet things come because they want to again he's pointing towards a way of using the flow of things the grain of things whether that's inside ourselves or in our surrounding communities or in the universe at large in nature whatever you want to call it it's everywhere basically and there's a, way, there's a way of using that, relying on it, opening to it. And it all comes down to being sort of a bit quiet. You know, it's, this, it, this, is, this is like his meditative, his meditative method, you know. And then he's got one more. It has no desires and yet everything works out as if planned. You know, and again, this, it, it's exactly the same. It's working with the grain. So going against 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 the grain. Very usable, particularly on an individual level. Lao Tzu climbs on a political level. We have to bear in mind when we try and tease that through into our current situation and apply it that, that we live in a vastly more complex society that's got this this techno layer as well, which I think has an enormous impact on the, in, in the way we go about living. 
and understanding life as well and, and our existence but with that proviso we're still being offered some very useful kind of hints, hints here I can't think of a politician in our kind of political firmament that wouldn't profit from having a little understanding of some of this because basically they are the ones who who are brash and fearless mostly Either that, or utterly cowardly. They'll survive, but they won't do anything. They'll achieve nothing. You know, they won't create anything. Our, our lives will not be improved. In fact, all they can think of to do is carry on robbing us. You know, so so I do think there's an applicability, but there's some sort of care needed as well. You know. Anyway, it finishes off. Although the net of heaven is wide, not even the tiniest whisper escapes it. Well, there's nothing that's not a part of it. The net of heaven. There's nothing that's not a part of it. Yeah. And nothing which escapes it. Of course, of course. How can how can any how can anything escape the the whole? Yeah. It cannot. It, if it exists, it belongs to it. So. This process is to which he's alluding, this grain of things to which he's alluding, and which he's recommending that we avail ourselves of, is something that's absolutely omnipresent, it's everywhere, nothing escapes it. I mean, the, the corollary of that is that it's always available, as well, as, as, as perhaps one of our most useful practical tools for living you know collectively and individually so I think there's from amongst the uh, the incoherence and the paradox there's something pretty fruitful emerges like yesterday I uh, I've been thinking about a particular thing that's been bothering me and um it's just a, a, a clear a more precise way of describing and explaining a particular thing and uh, I was quite tired and I thought oh, I'll go and go and do my meditation now and I was just just that my mind is quite busy so I was a bit uncomfortable so it took me a while to sort of get myself a little bit more calm and quiet and I was just getting into that lovely quiet space and I was only really there for all what it felt like a few seconds before like it's like I don't know, it kind of leaps out of the dark, like the, the, the answer, like, oh, oh, and I had to get up and write it down, uh, because it was perfect, it was like, oh, that's it, that's yeah. perfect, uh, that, that's how I'm going to describe that, and that's, that this, this, this explanation will sit really well with me, so, um, yeah, it is, it is, like, very practical, like you say, and it's, it's kind of amazing, it's like, you, I don't know exactly what's going on there or how, how that works, but it does seem to happen an awful lot. <laughs> and I get, as I said before, sometimes you wish it wouldn't because you just want to be left alone and just have and have a little bit of peace, yeah. you know. But after that, once I'd written it down, then I went back and then I could, you know, yeah. relax back down into the meditation after. Yeah, yeah. But very, very useful. Yeah, very even, useful. Even though it's, it's useful when we abandon the idea of its usefulness. <laughs> yeah. 
You start doing yeah, I mean, I wasn't doing the meditation no. particularly yeah, for you, that. It yeah, just le- leapt out of nowhere, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we get sold meditation as, 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 as something that of great practical value to our lives, you know. Like the TM movement said, if they could get so many percentage of people in a town or a city meditating, 10%, that the crime rate would go down and stuff like that. You know. And they tried to sell it along these lines, you know, as, as, as a purely practical and beneficial thing. And I think if you proceed with that in mind, you're not going to penetrate into it. Very yeah, it's having too much of an aim. V- very it, really? far, too much of an aim. Yeah. And it's, it's, too, it's too much noise. In, uh, and uh, you're, you're, like you said, it has no desires, and that's how things get done. If it has desires but pretending it has no desires, in order to get things done, nothing will happen. It short circuits the process. It short circuits the the opening ourselves to t- to the Tao. It's like it, it, you can't swindle it because yeah. it's everywhere, mm. and yet. We will try to swindle it, and I, th- I think every meditator falls into that. That they try to swindle it at some point, you know, swindle the, the process of aligning with the the, the big thing, the the Tao. You know. So all of that, of course, is is in here, but you don't know it until you until you've tried. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like going to jump off the page at you. Until thirty years later, it's going to jump. <laughs> and you say, "Oh yeah, that's what he was on about." You know, yeah. it is about. Yeah, you can't swindle it. Yeah. And he's trying to make sure that you don't. That he's, he, well, he's trying to save you the aggro by spending thirty years trying to swindle it. I'll crack this. I'll crack this if it kills me. You know. <laughs> One other thing. I mean, it's in this context while we're on this, while we're on this tricky business of (laughs) the way in. The gateless gate. And that is to mention the the particular Deus meditation that I think is implicit throughout this text, really, which is called forgetting. The meditation is just forgetting. You know, you sit and forget. You <laughs> look out the window and forget. This is why you have to go up the mountain, find a little pagoda and sit in the mist and gaze out at the swirling mist. Marvelling at its beauty and grandeur. And forgetting. Just forget. Just forget for a bit. Forget for a bit. Just forget. It's because our great pal, Friedrich Nietzsche, you know, this, this to my mind was one of his most pregnant remarks and insights yeah. and he said there is there is no joy on earth without forgetfulness mm. you start thinking about all, all sort of ecstasy is 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 a kind of attenuation of memory yeah. blessed are the forgetful for they shall get the better even of their blunders and you can run with that and in fact in other places I have run with that. And it's, it's very important. You know, very, uh, uh, much overlooked in, insight. It's a very important part of life, is memory. Another important far, part of life is the ability to forget. If you could forget nothing, you'd be tormented. 
So I hope everyone found that interesting. Maybe a little bit useful as well. And we will be back with some more of this probably next week. And we will see you then. I hope everyone is okay and I may be inspired to have some quality meditation time. <laughs>